Welcome to Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams and for leaders who know that they are more powerful than the level that they are currently playing. I am Sumit Gupta, your host and the founder CEO of the Deploy Yourself School of Leadership. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to help organizations massively improve their output and impact and at the same time eradicating workplace stress. Yes, completely eradicating, not just reducing, completely eradicating. I believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for Mondays, not Fridays and get to do their most meaningful work. The aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content, but instead shift the context under which you operate. This podcast is titled Choosing Leadership because that is what leadership is, a choice. In each episode, I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices, which are not always easy and comfortable, but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves, and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way. Let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action, as those were the moments when you chose leadership. At the end, I will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast. And with that, let's get started. Jose Grasa is a CEO, serial entrepreneur, business mentor, and investor. In the interview, Jose shared how coming from a family of immigrants meant that he had to be better than anybody else to be able to reach anywhere. We spoke about his views on computers, entrepreneurship, always being secure about himself, and how with a good team, you can make the impossible happen. He shares the importance of a good night's sleep and also of taking care of our bodies. Hi, Jose. Welcome to the Choosing Leadership podcast. Hi, Sumit. Nice to be here on your show. It's wonderful to have you here. And to begin with, can you start by sharing who you are and what do you do? Okay. Um, so my name is Jose Grasa. I'm a serial entrepreneur. At least that's what I decided to become. I've also been mostly in leadership uh, roles along my life. I studied finance and economy, specifically economy and administration and finance related to the setup of businesses. Worked for seven years for big corporations and then decided afterwards to start my own. And um, yeah, 30 years has, has passed since then. It has been an exciting journey with lots of ups and downs, of course, lots of challenges. But above all, I must say that I was privileged to have a lot of freedom along this journey and also being able to work on those things that passion me uh, all the time. And I think this is a very big privilege. Thank you. Thank you for adding that and adding the privilege part. I do believe that leadership is an honor and is a privilege. Before we get into your exciting journey, right? Can you share maybe something uh, about when you were growing up? Were there any influences which were pulling you towards entrepreneurship or leadership? No, you know, it was like a call. I had this need to do something that excited me. I didn't have anybody that I would that I looked up to. Okay. I didn't have any mentors. I come from a 
traditional, I would say, mid-low-class family, both parents working, immigrants. And yes, there, there was a struggle. It's never easy to be an immigrant, depending on the country where you are. But I always felt that I had to be better than anybody else. Because if I would not be, right, as an immigrant, you would not be able to reach anything. So there was a very big push for you to perform always. And this has definitely influenced my life later on. But on top of this all, I think entrepreneurs in general are also very creative people. They are providers, right? They are always thinking about something new, an idea, solving the problem, right? So it's a combination of an X amount of things. Uh, and definitely that was my case as well. I felt that uh, I was shortcoming myself because I would uh, was not be able to do things that I felt that would be really useful for society. Okay, so mm -hmm. this was one of the biggest drives uh, that I felt that. And when you do what you like and you have happiness, it, the money is not so important. That's one of the biggest lessons I learned. Yeah, is that when you work for money, right? Money is the most important thing. But when you work with a mission and with pleasure, money is something that comes in second place. So I had my first experience when I was 16. So I started a business with two friends. Uh, we had it for about three years. We did very well. It was in the music industry. Cannot say it was legal <laughs> because we, what we were doing was, mostly as teenagers, we didn't have the, the notion, right? Because when I look back, I said, oh my God, you were doing something that was not 100% illegal. But we were making like the top 20 hit every month ourselves. Mm -hmm. okay? We would mix it, we would put it on a cassette, and then we would sell those cassettes. And it started well, with a very small amount. We were like selling like 20, 30. And um, eventually we got to 100. And then from 100, you were selling about 250 cassettes. And that would be like $20 each, which was a lot of money for youngsters, right? For teenagers. Yeah. yeah. It was not a fortune, but for us, it was a lot of money. And I really enjoyed that time. It was very exciting. I was making, obviously, I was always the organizer. Okay. I've always been a team builder all my life, I'm always uh, motivating others to join. Let's make it happen. Let's do this, right? I've been very efficient in that point. And I was making the covers, the really ugly covers, I tell you. They were like very small, tiny paper and a matrix printer would make those covers with dots, you know? But that's what we had, right? We had I had a Commodore 64, one of the first home computers. And that was what was the everything where this was in the uh, yes in the eighties at the beginning of the eighties right yeah a long time ago but yes uh, it was very exciting and eventually like everything nothing is forever as I always say not even our life is forever so that society we became older we every each of us went its way and uh, and we just broke it up because we had other uh, goals in our mind but that's really where it started yeah. And what did that do to your confidence, right? Because tasting that early success or science of success can be a huge booster for uh, at that young age, right? Can you share what impact that it uh, had that continues to pay off till now? I don't think it had a lot of impact. It had impacts from a self-fulfillment, okay? 
but it had no impact on a, a security for ourselves, right? That that you feel that you know, can I do it? Can I not do it? Right? <clears throat> so that's it had no impact on that. I was always a very secure person. Mm-hmm. I never had doubts about anything. Okay. I think it might be a characteristic of an entrepreneur. Because as an entrepreneur, typically you don't have somebody with you. It's a very um, individual journey in many cases. Other people join, right? But you cannot have this doubt. Mm. Am I able to do it or not? Or those things. So I was always very secure uh, about my capacities. Okay, never had that doubt. Yeah, thank you for adding that, right? Because I also speak to a lot of entrepreneurs and many times I sense that insecurity or the fear. I'll try to prove something to someone or sometimes to even themselves. So it's quite interesting that you said you say that like, you felt quite secure and obviously that showed up in leadership, right? That shows up in uh, like when you were building teams. How do you see that now when you work with a lot of entrepreneurs? How do you see that feeling comfortable, feeling secure in your own skin? What role does that play in the outer results that they produce? So, of course, during all these years, I've been developing uh, additional skills. Okay, You become more mature, you become more smart, and you look back and say, okay, I could have handled this in a different way. Um, This was maybe not the right moment, right? I think timing is everything. Okay, the right timing for everything is very important. And also the way you handle it. But um, when you are younger, you are a little bit more stressed. I think this is the right word. You are a little bit more anxious to get things done, right? When you get older, you become more calmer. Uh, it's, I think it's a maturing process. And you become, because you are, you have more experience, you become more wiser in the decisions that you make and how you handle it. Mm. Right? Because you can look back and you know how you handled it in other occasions, right? Yeah. And how the outcome was. Okay. So today I must say that um, I'm a people's manager. Okay. Uh, I care for my stuff. They are my first priority. If they are not okay, I'm not okay as well. So for me, it's very important that they are feeling well, that they're happy in what they are doing, that they embrace a mission. So all my staff members are teached to embrace a mission. Okay. And that makes a huge difference. Um, I have a very unique setup today. uh, I'm very proud of, which is that all my staff members are also stakeholders in the company. So I don't have people in the company that are not a shareholder today. And this makes a huge difference because they know that whatever they are building, okay, together, right, that they are going to get a piece of that pie. This is a very important factor that makes the, the, your team more united, but also more eager to have things happen. Like in any organization, people come and go, people change. Um, there's nothing you can do about it. You need, just need to accept that people have their limits also. Uh, 
That means that sometimes they can, they're not able to grow further. And you need to obviously analyze it, try to help them. But if it comes to a point that there is no way they can uh, grow, then you need to the benefit of the company. You need to make a change. Okay. So all these things are very important. I would say that every business, the most important thing in a business is your team. Without a proper team, you can not make miracles. But with a good, very good team, you can make the impossible. Okay. Even if your business is not so good, but yeah. you can still, you know, fight for it and make the impossible. With a bad team, it just crumbles immediately and there's no way you can make your business survive the bad team. You change as a leader, right? You also change. Now, some can change for good, some can change for bad, of course. But in my case, I changed for good because I'm a very social person and I care for others. So uh, I know that in my boat, saying it in the old fashioned way, I don't have jumpers. If I have a storm, then I know that my people will be with me and, and I don't need to be worried that uh, I don't have any people with me. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That's indeed a privilege to be in that position. Can you share a bit more about like uh, the journey itself? You mentioned about ups and downs. What were some of those uh, like critical moments uh, could be highlights, could be low lights, which uh, helped you learn something or helped you realize something? So, you know, you, um, nobody is a perfect leader. Okay. Not even myself. Okay. And you do your best, right? But every leader can make mistakes. And that make, that's what makes us human, right? As long as those mistakes are minor, then I don't think it's a big deal. So in leadership, um, the most important thing that you need to understand is that we are dealing with humans. You need to build that perfect team. It takes time. There is no way anybody can build a perfect team from scratch in a very short time, unless you already had built that team. Okay. And you're taking that team over from some other venture that you had into a new venture. Okay. But every uh, leader, what he does, he surrounds himself with people that he feels he can count on and are good professionals that can make things happen. Okay. You are basically, I would even say, um, the less important piece of the puzzle. <laughs> okay. Yes, you have the name and the title, but you are there for the strategic things, right? All the others, in my opinion, are much more important than I am. Okay, they are the real heroes in this whole setup, right? I am just the glue uh, to make it happen. So building that team takes an awful lot of time. Okay, there are many replacements along that road. Uh, when you recruit somebody, and I've been recruiting now for many years, uh, quite a big amount of people okay? and you learn a lot from recruitment. What you learn from recruitment is that no matter how you select people, no matter how good your process is, right? People can always put a different face, mm -hmm. okay? but once they start working and you deal with them uh, on a daily basis, then the real person comes out sooner or later. And then you say, oh, wait a minute, but in the recruitment process, this was a completely different person, right? Yeah. So this is your risk for any leader, 
okay, that he can, it happens. My success rate is quite high, but I can tell you that probably on, uh, on every 100 people I might have, maximum up to 10 people, okay, that's, that I could not select properly, mm -hmm. was not able to get through that, that, yeah. uh, that phase that was put up, right? So what you do is you need to replace them, okay, with more appropriate candidates, okay, to get that perfect team uh, working. Now, remember one thing, <clears throat> this is very important. Managers' position are even more critical. Because if you recruit a manager that people don't like, they're going to leave your company. The number one reason why people change jobs in the world is because they cannot handle or work with their manager. Okay? So if you have a very smooth team running perfectly, right, and there's a manager that has to be replaced, you, you better be secure Okay, that you have the right manager because otherwise you your whole team is gone. Okay, yeah. or that whole department is done. Right. Uh, I think this is a very critical. Like, yeah. And what uh, what advice would you give to somebody, right, in terms of reading people or getting a sense of who they are? Because we all want to look good. We all want to appear good in an interview. So how do you, especially when you are hiring for those critical roles like managers or co-founders or even investors, how do you read a person? How do you trust and authenticate somebody, uh, what have you learned and what can you share? There are some tricks that I'm not going to disclose, obviously, because they're made, you know, I made them uh, along my life. But there are some tricks like pitfalls, okay, that you can see if the person is going to fall uh, inside it, yes or no. And normally it's, it works, okay? So normally it works. So, for example, if you... Uh, want to select somebody and your company DNA, okay, is mission and in your interview or in your questions to that person, you identify that the only thing which is important for that person is cash, then that's not the right candidate for you. Okay. As an example, right? Yeah. Uh, so you, you need to ask the right questions and during the interview, you need to verify Okay. Um, what I can tell you, this I can disclose, is that when we place an offer, it's very interesting that people don't even read the offer. Mm. Now, why do we know this, that they don't read the offer? Because we do the offer, and then we ask an X amount of questions if you apply. And those questions that we ask, some of those questions, the answers are in the offer. Okay, so if you answer negatively, right, to that question, then you didn't really read the offer because it's there. And it says, black or white, big letters, you know, if you don't agree with this, please don't apply, as an example. But so I understand that the recruitment process in the world is definitely not a perfect one. Okay, uh, recruiters are a lot of times gatekeepers. Right? And some recruiters okay, are not good recruiters. We need to accept. Others are very good, right? Like anybody in every function, 
and they're very good people and less good people, okay? So it's very hard for somebody that wants to apply to a role um, to understand, yeah, who is this recruiter? How does he want it? And, you know, today is a little bit strange. For me, it's a little bit strange. It looks like you always need to have a degree of a university to apply to a role, right? Your Latin needs to be like this, and uh, it needs to be, have these keywords, and you need to pass the ATS system, and this, and that. And I'm thinking, wow, is this all relevant for your role that you're going to execute? Oh, right. Are they able to identify the real quality of the person? No. Because I can write anything in my CV, more or less. I can have it passed. I can even uh, get a ghostwriter, right? So what is more important, that you figure out who this person is, okay? Or that you just go to have a fake CV, right? All dressed up just to pass and get an interview. So in my opinion, the recruitment process really has a lot of space for a lot of improvement, okay? Mm. <clears throat> um, and we do it in a different way. We don't run our CVs from our candidates through a yes. We uh, look at it, see how the candidate, we don't expect that the candidate has a CV like anybody else, okay? We want to see, okay, just have your CV, put your personality into it, we will, because we want to learn who you are, right? So it's important for us. So what we do is we just look at it, we ask an X amount of questions, not too much, and based on your answers, uh, we already know a little bit about you. And then... Once we know those answers, we're going to check okay, your CV if it's in line with your answers. Okay, So this is, costs a little bit more time than normal, but I can tell you that the success rate that we have is very high. So on average, we have a 90% success rate on our recruitment for the type of people that we want. So this is quite high. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Now, zooming into the future, right? Can you share what is next for you? What is the next thing that you're creating or like that's going to take the next phase of your life? So, you know, when I had my last exit, um, I started thinking what's next. And I decided that I wanted to do something which was more socially impacting. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that... Um, I remembered, which is, I said, you know what? I've been now a serial entrepreneur now for 30 years, but it's starting a business is so hard, even for a serial entrepreneur, it's never easy. And I was looking back and I was thinking, wow, nothing changed in these 30 years. Yes, we have more technology, but the basics of everything and the hardship, it's all there. So I said, wow. You know what? It would be wonderful if I could come up with a solution to make this more democratic process that everybody could start a business. Doesn't matter if you are knowledgeable or not. It is also not about you building a unicorn. So what I tell everybody is the following. Don't think about building a unicorn because the success rate and the potential that you're going to build a unicorn is as like the lottery. So it's better for you just to build something that is just a small business for you to gain experience, something that you can manage, something that's going to put cash in your pocket, 
And then from there, you go to the next step. So you need to do it in steps in, instead of like having a, a gold rush, right? Run off to something that might never happen. Yeah. So what I did is I developed uh, with the team. Uh, and I must say the merit is all of my team, so not mine. Uh, I developed a, what we call a 360 degree solution. Basically it's a, what we say, it's a business factory. So we developed a business factory. So what is so unique about this business factory? It's that every person, doesn't matter your origin, your religion, your sex or whatever, anybody can build a business. We don't make a pre-selection. So you just enroll into our uh, program. Everybody is welcome. You start learning the knowledge, how to build a business, even for existing business owners. We have a lot of stuff there that makes a lot of sense that they could improve their own existing business, okay? But you build that out. You don't need to have an idea. Okay. I think this is so important that everyone says, well, you know, I have an idea. I said, okay, great. But if you don't have an idea, it's not a problem. Just follow our process and we will figure out with you what is the best business that fits in you. What the problem is like this, it's not about a brilliant idea. It's about your personality, okay? Your personality is going to dictate which type of business and which size of business is going to fit in you. So for you to increase your success rate, you need to find something that fits in you and not the other way around, okay? Good. So what we do is, we give them the training and we give them the technology afterwards for them to boost efficiency and at the same time um, get the downsize on the operational costs because that's where your survival comes in at the end. It starts with a very funny uh, thing. So we developed what we call the Business MasterChef Challenge Show. Okay, And what we do is the Business MasterChef is not about cooking. It's about creating businesses, right? So we created this show to showcase how people build businesses. And if you apply our knowledge, our methodology, how more effective and higher success rate you're able to get. So in this show, uh, we back an X amount of candidates okay, with experts, mentors, and investors. It's a whole combination of a whole team that is out there to get you a running business. So in 12 months, you need to have a running business with the revenue generation. It's quite hard. From the show, <clears throat> obviously, what we preach is the training. And from the training, then you go into the technology. So the business factory, to mm -hmm. get back on that principle, if you would look at a factory, what you see in a factory is that it's like a production line. Mm. Right? So we have done the same. We have said, you know what? You get into this production line. At the end of the production line, you have a finished product. Okay. They need to start with the beginning, right? First piece of the production line, second one, and so on. But at the end, you have a finished product. Our finished product is a business. Thank you for sharing that, right? And as you, uh, is, that, is this already there or is this your vision for yes. the future? The Business Master Chef show is already there. The first show is going to launch in March 
2023, but don't tell anybody, okay? We might even delay it for one month. So it's not official, uh, but we are going to launch definitely in, in the first quarter, maximum one month later. And we already have obviously experts to support these candidates. We have some mentors. We are increasing the amount of mentors that we have. Yeah. And we have already an X amount of investors on board and we're increasing the amount of investors also to have a bigger pool. It's going to be launched country by country. So we are starting in the US. We plan an X amount of months later to start in the UK. And we don't have we have not decided what will be the third country, but our goal is to uh, expand this model country by country. Okay. Yeah. The training program definitely is there. It has obviously a little bit of a crazy name, but it's an analogy. Okay. So what we say is that you need to learn how to cook a business, mm-hmm. right? So cooking a business and the business master chef, right? It's a, a two yeah. in one. That is, is already our accelerated program is six months. It's accessible for everybody. We don't take equity of your company. Okay. We don't charge you a huge amount of money so you can on board and you can leave whatever you want. It's basically a subscription fee. And for $99 a month, you can start learning how to build a business or improve your skills to uh, in- increase growth in your existing business. Yeah. Uh, I think this is a very low cost price. Yeah. Okay, and we give a lot of value back. But why do we do this? Because we want to leave some social impact in the business community. That is our main goal. Yeah. But I also imagine there are so many moving pieces that you are juggling here and you're also building the whole thing as a business, right? So what are the challenges that you are facing or that you foresee that you will face in the next few years as you build this up? Obviously, I face the same problems like anybody else. Okay. So what I preach is also what I face myself because at the end, there is no other way than doing it. But obviously, if you are the writer of the playbook, it's easier, right? Depending on the size of your business and or on your ambition, okay, it might be uh, more challenging or less challenging. Right? But definitely, I would say it's easier for me than for anybody else. Yeah. And how do you manage the downtimes, right? How do you manage when things get hard, when it's uh, you have pressure, there are people expecting things of you? How do you manage that? A good sleep, okay? <laughs> a good night's sleep, and the next day, you're back on track. That's the best solution. Uh, I always say everybody can have a downsize, right? You think about it, you sleep about it one night, and the next morning, you need to be back on track. And that's the way I have been solving it all my life. Thank you. I think thank you for sharing that with a smile and like almost so lightly. Where are so many people I see that like take a negative or a setback very heavily, like a burden on their shoulders. What has allowed you to like uh, to answer that? What has happened for you to answer this question to me? Like more than the answer, I am very amazed by how you have answered it. Can you share a little bit about that lightness of moving through this journey rather than taking it, making it too hard for yourself? If you get people around you, that journey becomes much easier. Okay, because uh, more hands means that you have more options, and also means that you are get you are going to get free 
what really matters. So your co-founders, I like to talk, say talk about co-founders. Okay? Your co-founders are a very important piece of the whole puzzle. Even if a few things uh, don't go as planned, your co-founders are there to support you and help you to get out faster. A lot of entrepreneurs are very individual people. But I think this is something that they put themselves into. They feel that they need to come up with all the solutions, that they need to do everything, that they need to, uh, let's call it micromanage everything, right? And that everything depends on that. Okay? I agree that, that everybody is like that, but a, a big percentage okay, is like that. So if you are like that, then obviously it makes it very hard for you because you need to come up with all the solutions for all, all the problems, okay? Uh, there is no way you can build a business of a certain size by yourself. It's simply not possible. You, The maximum amount of people that you can direct manage, I would say, is about 10, okay? So if you have 20 staff members in total, you need to start thinking that you do have about five managers under you to be able to manage those 15 people. And that would be like more or less like three for each manager, right? And you manage five managers. So as the organization grows, okay, you need to understand that you're going to maybe scale it to up to 10, but that's it. So the organization needs to grow below uh, the second and the third and the fourth at the fifth level, etc. Instead of you growing your officers in a very broad way, it simply will not work. Okay? You will not have time for it. So I am lucky enough okay, to have this set up uh, that I can count on my officers. Thank you. Thank you. I think that's a, such a timely advice because I do see that a lot of people try to do it all by themselves and that put that unnecessary pressure and i think at the end what you're pointing out is that a business it's not about you it's so much more than you uh, and then you can rely on your team you can ask for help which are not actually signs of weakness as many entrepreneurs times take it uh, but actually a sign of strength that you have a team which is there to support you not just to like take away from you so thank you for adding that holistic picture of what a business or an organization can be yeah well, I'll thank you, uh, Sumit, for being such a good listener. No, no worries. That's uh, that's what I do, right? So before we wrap this up, right? Do you have any any last like parting advice uh, for anybody who is listening but like struggling to get through or like make a breakthrough in their business in their leadership? Yes, I definitely have an advice. The advice is the following: you cannot do it alone. You need to have people around you. So start building that team around you as fast as possible. But you are also not the only knowledgeable person in the world. And I can tell you up front that you definitely are not. There are always smarter people than ourselves. You know, we encounter them every day. So when you want to build a business, right? If you want to have a shortcut, okay? not go through all these problems and the hurdles, then you should do two things. 
One is build that team, which I already mentioned. And the second thing is make sure that you have at least one mentor that is experienced okay, and can help you to get that shortcut with some good advice, which you will need it. And if you don't take it, and if you think that, you know, I don't need it, that's okay. I can guarantee you that the whole process will be much, much harder for you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's uh, so relevant and coming from experience, like you're looking for advice, but also having somebody on board as a mentor who can really understand your situation and then give you, or maybe tell you what you don't want to hear sometimes. It's uh, so yes. much important. Thank you. Yeah. And right, if anybody who is listening, who wants to reach out to you, like find out more about your show or maybe join uh, your program, what is the best way to stay in touch and updated of what you are up to? So, first of all, um, I would like to invite everybody that would like to build a business to apply. Don't be shy. Apply to the businessmasterchef.com challenge. Okay. Just apply to the challenge. And you can earn incredible prices. Uh, you are going to be mentored by experienced people. You have access to experts. And on top of this, Obviously, you're also going to be backed uh, by some investors. So I think this is a unique opportunity for anyone. Then the second thing is that even if you are not selected to be as one of the candidates, because we, ha we have a small amount of uh, spots, right? Then it's not the end of the story. Just sign up for the Cooker Business Training Program. Okay? So if you don't have $99 a month beyond your business, then better not even start. You know, because this is such a small amount of money that, you know, you need to realize that you cannot build a business out of the air. Okay. So I, it's really valuable money. So if you take the training, I can guarantee you that after six months, right, you will become a professional business builder. You know, all the ins and outs, you know, how to make decisions, you know, how to avoid the most common mistakes. Okay? You even know how to raise uh, funds. But above all, you know how to build that business. Okay. After six months, if you have done it, then we still have a pool of investors to look at you. And during that process, you still have access to experts and some mentors, okay, to guide you to that journey. Okay? And this is our mission. If you look at it as a mission, uh, I would be very happy to make a, a, everybody a business owner in this world. Thank you. Thank you, Jose, for sharing that. And I want to wish you all the best for your mission and for everything that you have learned and that you have shared with us today. Uh, and as you said, indeed, it is a privilege and I appreciate what you're doing in uh -huh. the world. Uh, and I want to wish you all the best. Thank you so much, Susumi. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast and I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction, not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? 
And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come and have big dreams for the future, please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality. And I want to thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.